Good morning, visionaries. This is Katie G. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. And I, I introduced myself too soon. My name is Katie G. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, September 30th. This is our 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in a new chapter, How It Works. We are on page 58, and we are reading that first paragraph only, starting with Rarely Have We Seen. Today's readers are the 12 Steps of OA, Carmela G., the 12 Traditions of OA, Lynn F., and readers of the text are Russ M. and Ginger C. The reference number for yesterday's special edition, Sunday, September 29, is 13,456. That's 13456. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message, the compulsive overeater who still suffers, at a Vision for You Big Book study. Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Carmela G. to please read the 12 steps. Carmela, good morning. The 12, Carmela G., a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you so much, the 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us. 
and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as, a, as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Carmela. Okay, I'll now ask Lynn F. to please read the 12 Traditions of OA. Lynn, good morning. Good morning, Katie, and good morning, fellows. This is Lynn F., recovered in Pennsylvania. The 12 Traditions of OA. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lynn. All right. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, How It Works, 
we are on page 58, starting with the first paragraph, reading that one paragraph, Rarely Have We Seen. And I will now ask Russ M. to please begin our reading. Good morning, Russ. Morning, Katie. Thanks for your service. Morning, everyone. How it works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to the simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. They are, they are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honestly, honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. How it works. So when I first came in almost three years ago, my home meeting was not a big book meeting, but the first meeting I ever attended This is what they read. Rarely have we seen a person fail. And right there, something touched my heart. There was hope. There was hope that I could could live again, that I could be alive. I could be useful to someone. That I didn't have to cause a lot of destruction because I failed my whole life. You know, I failed, you know, like everybody else. You know, I, I screwed up a lot of things in my life. And, um, I never heard that I could be successful, you know, in my mind, in my heart, and in my spirit, that I could, uh, you know, just be a a pretty good person. So this is what hooked me. But having said that, you know, down in this chapter, uh, this paragraph, it says rigorous honesty. And that scared the you-know-what out of me. Because who the hell wants to look at themselves? Who the hell wants to see who they really are? But if I didn't do that, I'd be dead. There was no other option. There was no other option. You know, looking at yourself truthfully, looking at myself truthfully was, it was painful. It is painful. It still is painful. Yet for me to grow and to be, be able to help someone, to be able to be half normal, to be able to, to, to survive small little things without catastrophizing. I got to be honest with myself. I got to see who I am and not BS myself. And where I'm wrong, I'm wrong. What I did good was good. And uh, just be able to make up for the things that I screwed up to the best of my ability, if, if there's a possibility I could do that. So this is those words right there, that first sentence saved my life or put me on that path put me on that path not to be overly dramatic so this is a great chapter and you know if i if i could start succeeding in life little by little anybody can because you know i was pretty jacked up so for anyone that's still suffering hang in there and do what the book says and you'll be okay you'll be you'll be more than okay you'll have a great life so have a great day thank you so much for letting me be a part of this Love you guys. Thank you, Russ. 
All right, before I start taking names, just a reminder, or if you're just hopping on, we are on page 58. We're starting with that first paragraph. We just read that one paragraph. Rarely have we seen a person fail. And if you've shared in the past two, one to two days, we do ask that you take a step back so that everyone's voice may be heard. So uh, if you're ready to share, please let me know that your is. name. Ida, one more. Dion. Dion R. Okay, we've got our first line. That was fast. <laughs> I uh, I know I didn't get everyone, so I apologize, but I'll be back for more. We have Madam Harlan G, Lisa B, Larry K, Ida. Mm, I think maybe K, and then Dion R. So if you are not Matt M, please star one your phone, and remember no speaker phones. Matt, good morning. Please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. Matt M, over here, over here from New Jersey. Yeah, rarely have we seen a person fail. I struggle with honesty sometimes, too, because this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. But lately, with my current sponsor, I'm getting honest with him every day, what I eat, what I'm doing with the book who I talk to because I have to get honest and get real with myself because, again, I was struggling so long. I'm still struggling, but I realized that for me to get well, as someone shared before, I have to be willing to be the rigorously honest. If I'm not honest with myself and not honest with another human being, what's the point? You know, it's just, it's just going around in circles, getting nowhere. So I'm just grateful that I have someone in my life who's willing to support me and I'm willing to work, start doing the work again to get back to where I was before because, again, this disease will kill. It does kill, and I do want to have a happy life and happy joy. It's great. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, madam. Good morning. Next up, we'll have Harlan G., and then followed by Lisa B. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Katie. And I also want to shout out to Gabriella for lending us your mom this morning. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Bill's story, there is a solution, more about alcoholism, and we agnostics were in the books. The doctor's opinion would not be completed until early, early 1939. This is 1938, and Bill Wilson is at 182 Clinton Street. It is very late at night, and he knows that he must set down on paper how this is going to work. He never set out to write 12 steps. He set out to close some of the loopholes that these alcoholics were jumping through. And in doing so, he prayed and he wrote Chapter 5 in a matter of a very short period of time. He said it was as if the pencil had a life of its own. Now, they forced some changes on him. But he wrote Chapter 5 in a very short period of time, and when he looked at it, he noticed he had 12 steps, which pleased him. Most of this chapter is going to come from the four impediments that Sam Shoemaker taught the boys, and he knew, Sam knew, Bill knew, they knew that they were going to have to get to God in order to solve their problem, and that there would be four impediments to to the trail to God. Those four impediments were, are, a resentment that they will not let go of, step four. A secret that they will not tell, step five. 
a vicarious thrill that they will not stop steps six and seven, and a restitution that they will not make steps eight and nine. But let's take a look at the paragraph here, and three times in the paragraph, we are referred to the concept of honesty. What are they asking us to be honest about here? Yes, the easy answer is everything. The easy answer is cash register honest, unilateral honesty about everything. And that's very ideal and that's great. Specifically, what they are asking us to be honest about in this paragraph is, are you or are you not a compulsive overeater? What does that mean? Do you have the allergy of the body and the twist of the mind? For have you not the allergy of the body and the twist of the mind? You are not one, and if you have them, you are one. And if you are one, then you have a malady that only a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps will help. Your defense must come, my defense must come from a higher power. And this is very specifically how to bring that about. And that's what this is asking me to do. Am I a compulsive overeater or am I not one? And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Next up, Lisa B. followed by Larry K. Good morning, Lisa B. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service today and everyone that's here. My name is Lisa B. It's L-E-S-A, and I'm in Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Oh, boy, I'm lit up today. I'm lit up. (laughs) Um, I wanted to share that um, this is a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. That's what the big book tells me. And the illness wants to believe that it's truly hopeless. Why bother? The other thing this illness wants me to be is confused and not clear starting with my food. And if I find some of the wor- some of the voices on the Vision for You special editions very uh, condemning and sounding judgmental, find another voice that I like that discusses abstinence. That was the start for me. I had to get crystal clear with my abstinence. The illness wants me to be foggy and to minimize and to say it's not that big of a deal. You know, I didn't binge on it at home. If I had it on a restaurant, it's okay, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and starting with honesty with my food. And it's not so much in the beginning about, you know, honesty and getting the approval of a sponsor, but really getting honest with myself and understanding what this food plan that I need, what my abstinence, according to the doctor's opinion, means And I did get direction from fellows that were recovered. And that was so important for me. But then it goes on to say honesty, honesty with myself in the steps. And the more honest I am with another compulsive overeater, another alcoholic, the closer I get to God. This is not a solo program. We do it together with people that have gone before us. And the other thing that I wanted to share is that I need to be lit up today from these steps. I need to get an effect from these steps because guess what? I'm going to go back to something else to give me an effect. It's not too good to be true. I can be happy, joyous, and free. I can have permanent recovery, but I need to do what the first 100 did. It doesn't mean that, oh, those a group of men that did this in the 30s. It doesn't apply to me today in modern life. No, I need to do exactly and precisely what they did to have that same experience. With that, I pass.
Thank you, Lisa B. Next up, we'll have Larry K. followed by Ida. Larry, please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service. Larry Kay, I'm recovered and I'm in uh, Chicago. <clears throat> well, not really, I'm in the suburbs. Um, you know, I, I tell you, I, I have to piggyback on something that Harlan shared about the four impediments to recovery because these were things that I wasn't willing to do. He mentioned a resentment you will not let go of. I, I would not let go of my resentment towards my mother and towards my sister. They were too strong, particularly my mother. She did not protect me when I should have been um, as a little boy, and I was going to nurse that resentment to my grave. A secret you will not tell. I would not tell about the money that I had stolen from a cash register. That was something I was gonna take to my grave. I'm glad no one's hearing that today. I'm glad there's very few people on the line. Um, a vicarious thrill, you will not stop. Um, I, I would not stop eating. I wanted to feel better first. I would not trust in this process. I needed a little bit of my heroin, not nearly as much as previously, but I needed some of my heroin foods because I thought I was terminally unique, and so I would not give up that vicarious thrill. A restitution you will not make. I will not return that money. I don't have it. I don't want to own up to it. I don't want to come face to face with, uh, with a, a nice gentleman that gave me a job when I was an age when the truth would have served me better and I knew right from wrong. These were among the things that I would not be willing to do. You know, for many years, this paragraph would make me cringe. I erroneously thought that the tools were the essence of the program. Therefore, I equated, you know, using the tools as the things that would give me freedom. In other words, I didn't understand that the tools were designed as handrails. They were essential. They were necessary. They were there while I worked the program of action, which are the 12 steps, and, and I was not willing to work those 12 steps. When I did work the steps, I did not work them in sequence. I jumped around. I failed to follow the instructions. I wasn't willing to put the food down. I did not trust the process. I did not follow the instructions. I was not willing to be honest in the midst of my vulnerability. And I did not have perseverance and grit in the face of my fears. And so as long as my self-will ruled was ruled by fear, and it was the commander of the ship, my vessel kept coming and it, it just went nowhere. I could not get to the destination. I had intellectual pride, ego, over-analysis, dishonesty, and debate, and more debate. And these were the barriers to working the 12 Time, steps. Please. Thanks so much, Katie. You don't have to work the steps that way. You can't have this thing. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Next up, we'll have Ida. And if you please give me the first initial of your last name and then Dion R. Ida, good morning. Good morning. This is Ida A., Grateful Compulsive Overeater in Northern British Columbia. Thanks so much, Katie, for being able to hear all of our names. And thanks, everybody, for all of your shares and for being here so I can have a meeting and have another day to start off in a recovered way. This paragraph still gives me goosebumps 
And I think it was about six years ago, I entered the rooms of AA and at least where I um, have attended AA, this is read daily and it scared me. At first it gave me hope. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. That gave me hope. But then I felt found out people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. I felt like I could not and probably would not. But then I felt damned because it said people constitutionally incapable of being honest. And I felt like that was me. I did not feel like I was capable or had the capacity to be honest. And, you know, what I know today is that I just had no honesty training growing up. I was raised by a mother who was mentally ill her whole life, and today I know it's not her fault. She just was not able. Mental illness is real, and she was not able to be rigorously honest. But I took that dishonesty. The first 18 years, I I probably added another 35-plus years of living dishonestly, not authentically, living in anger and self-pity, and definite active addiction, certainly with the food. And I think to a certain extent, I also didn't have a lot of insight that that I was doing that. And um, today, it is such a different story. It is such a different story. I realize how important it is to develop a daily discipline of honesty, a daily discipline and manner of living that, that starts with surrendering the food. And if I, on a daily basis, surrender the food... It opens the door to a loving creator. Isn't that amazing? And you all have been saying that for the last two years. And and it took me the first year of listening and and leaning out to realize, wow, I want what you all are are sharing. And and it's real. And it's true. And it it can happen to all of us. But what I also know is I have a disease of thinking. And I kind of get mucked up a little bit here and there as I have stress in my life, the build up a human emotion, and I can start thinking in ways that are not healthy. So I need you every day. And I also need to be of service every day. Thank you all for being here. Have a wonderful week. I pass. Thank you, Ida A. <clears throat> and we will now have Dion R. And then we're going to take another list of names. Dion, please go ahead. Yes, hi. Good morning, Katie. Hi, and everyone. This is Dion R. from Ohio, recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and very grateful and happy. Uh, Since rarely have we seen a person fail, as many of my um, predecessors in speaking this morning said. Yes, that was hopeful for me. It gave me so much hope. Uh, Even the part of sharing my experience, strength, and hope, just when it says men and women who are constantly incapable of being honest, those are the ones they say who do not. And I'm like, oh, I've been knocked in the mouth <laughs> by unconditional loving mother because I talked too much back then. <laughs> and uh, because I just want to tell, you know, it didn't make sense. It don't make sense. Anywho, so to be able to get out and tell somebody, oh, well, I got a shot there, too. And he said, then, it's not their fault, though, if they can't be honest. But as many said, but there's... Um, yeah, it says those, uh, it said they are there. Wait a minute, hold on. The part about uh, the mental disorders. Oh, there are many women constitutionally capable of being 
honest with them. Oh, here we go, down at the bottom. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders. And I thought, like, oh, poor thing, I'm not going to get it because they always said I was depressed. But many of them do recover if they had the capacity to be honest. And that honest part right there, again, gave me hope that I overdid that. And I thank God for the people in the program that told me, damn, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't be honest with everybody, everything. Look at that middle paragraph. It says being incapable of being honest with themselves, you know. And that's my thing for my life today. When my higher power brings something to my life, do I run from it and say, oh, no, I can't deal with it. It's not true, denial. Or do I say, oh, I got a right to defend? No, I got to be honest, share with another human being, my higher power, myself, you know, to get honest. And it's not always the same human being. That's just for me. Why? Because we're human beings. And uh, but today I can truly get honest. I am honest with me. I used to think. I used to ask my kids, "Can you lie to yourself?" And they've been so witty. Uh, well, well. Uh, but the, the honesty, they would come. No, you can't. We, I can't lie to myself, even when I try. I can't. So today, thanks for God for this program. Thank you for all the ones who paved the way before me, besides the 101 in AA, but the many in OA, you know, to travel this duper's path. And with that, I'll pass. That's all I have. And thank you guys for allowing me to share. Thank you, Dion R. Okay, before I take my next list of names, just want to remind us all, or if you're just jumping on, we are on page 58. We are reading the first paragraph of how it works, starting with rarely have we seen a person fail. And if you've not shared in the last few days, I'd love to take your name. Please Christina Danielle O. Brenda D. from Connecticut. Okay, everybody, um, just hang on one second. I just need to take a deep breath because I like can channel what names I'm hearing. All right, so, oh, I know who it was. Okay, so the names that my small ears have heard are Charles H., Linda D., and Craig F. Can I have three more names, please? Christina Jolie. Danielle O. I have a Kelly, a Danielle, Kelly S., a Danielle, and a, is there someone else? Vasa O. Vasa O. Okay, friends. Sorry, my my ears are very human. I have Charles H, Linda D, Craig F, Kelly S, Danielle, something or other, and Vasa O and Danielle. You will please kindly give my forgetful brain uh, a reminder of what the first initial of your last name is. So we're going to start off this lineup with Charles H. Hey, good morning, Charles. Good morning, KDG. I'm going to tell you something. Don't be sorry. You're a recovered compulsive over here doing service. You're doing what you do. <laughs> Stop telling these people you're sorry because you're not sorry. You're a recovered woman from Boston, KDG. Anyway, um, thoroughly, I'm jumping now. You already know my name. I ain't wasting no time. Thoroughly, we have seen people fail who have really followed our path. You know, um, don't, don't sugarcoat it right now. There's a path to follow. Some people want to, you know, do it while smoking a little crack. Some people want to do it while eating food that's sexy. And I just want to remind real quick that we're still on the second step. Now, some of y'all might say on page 60 it says being convinced. Most people 
like myself, was not convinced. Um, I like where it says on page 63, we were now at step three, because they got some things to show us, right, between here and step three. Um, a compulsive overeater of my variety, I'm not honest. And, and even today, I'm not honest, because the program wears off at 12.01 every single day. And I have an opportunity to get honest and to get right. Um, so, and, and we thoroughly see people, right? We see them. We see them failing every day because they're trying to follow their own path. This is still the second step. We still, Bill is still trying to show us us. And I don't know about y'all, but I love when Bill shows me me. And it only took him 20-something minutes to write this wonderful piece of literature. And it's so life-saving. Everything is in here, right? And, 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 and as thorough as possible, right? Because we ain't going to do it perfect. So with that, I'll leave some time on the clock for other scholars. Hey, thank you, Charles H. We will now have Linda D., followed by Craig F. Good morning, Linda. Morning, Katie. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Thanks, honey. Uh, it's Linda D. from Connecticut. Wow, what a paragraph, huh? Well, when I first heard this, uh, not today, but, you know, years ago, uh, rarely have we seen a person fail. That was hope. But then my heart sank because at the bottom it says, those who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders. So I'm going to tell you some of my secrets. I couldn't say it then. I'm mentally ill, hopeless. I have a way to prove it. There's, there was a plastic band on my arm. I had what they called at that time nervous breakdowns. And I was scared to death that I'd never get well. And another secret was I don't believe in God. A polite person doesn't say that, but that was true, and uh, really, really true. And um, but I, I knew, I knew in my heart I belonged. And it said if I developed a manner of living, and I was told that was the twelve steps and jump in, and I did, from the beginning, and I did the best I could for as long as I could. And here I am, here I am, not crazy, not even close, and so, so grateful for all of you because I even know why it works, because of divine love. That's why it works. That's my experience. And how it works is every day listening to that path, and it's through the 12 steps and all of you. Thanks. I pass. Hey, thank you, Linda D. And we will now have Craig F. followed by Kelly S. Good morning, Craig. Good, good morning, Katie. This is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I was uh, told a long time ago that if I really wanted to understand this paragraph and the next couple paragraphs, that I needed to sit down and, and look at the selection of the adjectives and the adverbs that uh, that were used there. Rarely, uh, not uh, never, not uh, uh, occasionally, but rarely. Why did we say rarely have we seen a person fail that is thoroughly 
rarely and thoroughly. And and to look at the selection as it applies to my own life. And it took me a while to to get to this point of understanding what that meant. You know, I thoroughly followed my path, that, this path. Not perfectly followed the path, not uh, mm-hmm. haphazardly followed the path, but thoroughly followed the path. Uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time um, in this room uh, trying to fit, trying to bargain with that I, that word thoroughly. Uh, you know, okay, it said thoroughly. It didn't say perfectly. So how much do I have to do? What's the minimum I can get by with and, uh, and still uh, uh, get uh, – be able to stay on the food plan, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's really what I was after. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, do I have to give away uh, all my secrets? Do I have to uh, be, uh, you know, do I have to make amends to that person that that hurt me eight times and I only hurt them once? You know, do do I do I uh, can I hold back a little bit on some of this? And 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 guess what? The experiment didn't work. I had to thoroughly follow this path, which meant that uh, I had to completely give myself to this simple program. Uh, you can see another couple more adjectives and adverbs there. I had to completely give myself to this simple program. Uh, and, and what that means to me today is that I have to do this as uh energetically and as uh completely as I know how to do that that I can't hold back that there is no uh path measures availed me nothing you know uh that uh, three quarter measures availed me nothing seven eighths measures availed me nothing that I have to go after it uh as as if uh as if my life depends on it, because my life and my uh, daily life does depend on it. It's not just a matter of life and death Time, in, please. In, the ter- in the terms of morbidity. It's a matter of life and death in terms of having a life today. And with that, I pass to my friend from Oklahoma, Kelly, who's next. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Craig F. Oklahoma, represent Kelly S. Please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Thanks for your service. It's Kelly S. Recovered Compulsive Overeat on Bloomington, Compulsive, Oklahoma. And uh, yeah, seriously, Craig pretty much said everything I was going to say. Let's see if I can say it better. I doubt it because I don't have such a sexy voice. But anyway, so um, yeah, so you guys know I've been around for 30-something years. And the thing that I uh, wanted and really, truly thought this program was about was about stopping the compulsive overeating, the weight loss, getting my, you know, all that kind of stuff in order. And as I continue to wreak havoc in everybody's lives, and I was just sure I was the person this big book would say, and I, I'm the person that's inconstitutionally incapable myself. Almost said it like with, with pride, like, you know, something really wrong with me. I've been around this room for 30-something years. I've tried to do this program, and, you know, I... I just can't be honest, and I'm just going to tell you guys, I'm going to be honest because I've made amends in my life, and, and thank God I have no secrets today, but, you know, I was married for 20 years, and I did inappropriate behaviors through that entire marriage, trying to work this program, wondering what's wrong, you know, I'm not living an honest life in any way, why can't I stay on this food plan, what the heck is going on, I'm doing these steps, right, so 
thoroughly followed our path. You know, that was the thing. I didn't, you know, like someone else had shared, I have this book, I've read this book, I've read every chapter in this book. However, I never sat down and thoroughly followed this path. Didn't even really know there were instructions laid out in this book. And so once I thoroughly followed this path and also completely give myself to this simple program. So I couldn't just, you know, I had to decide, am I in this because, you know, I really want a new way of life because I'm tired of, of the destruction of the depression of living a dishonest life, of having no integrity, constantly going back in those decades of this struggle, or am I willing to put down the food and follow these instructions like I was hearing you guys talk about? And I, you know, the, the truth is that there's some awareness I didn't have. I really did believe that. It took vision, which I told you guys is my Ebby, to reintroduce this book to me to understand that I had a spiritual malady and I'd been eating and drinking and relationships and sex and all the things I had done because I was so disconnected from my higher power. And the only way I was going to do that was to get unblocked, to put everything down, to be willing to follow this path, which means all those things had to get out of the way so I could find this higher power that was deep within as this book talks about. And I'm so grateful that four and a half years later, I'm keeping all those things down. For the first time in my life, I am 56. I am a woman of honesty and integrity. And I never thought I'd be able to say that. And I, I just can't even believe that. So I, I'm abstinent today. Yes, life gets hard. It gets started. I have struggles. We all do, right? But with this program, if I keep my stuff down, whatever all that is, you know, and I work this program and stay connected to my God and work these steps, thoroughly follow this path, completely give themselves to this simple program, it works. Grateful to be here. Thank you, Katie. I pass. Thank you, Kelly S. All right, next up we'll have Danielle, and if you give me the first initial of your last name, and then Vasa O. Danielle, please go ahead. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle O. from Northern New York. Good morning, everyone. I don't get on this phone meeting all too often, but I really do love this chapter. <clears throat> you know, I, when I think of all the things that I had to go through um, in order to get where I am today, it's, um, I'm one of those people, constitutionally incapable. I've been around the rooms of OA for quite a while, and the honesty part was always something that I stumbled over because there was a part of me throughout my life that always was in survival mode. I always had to take care of me. How was I going to handle this? How was I going to make it? How was I going to be able to survive? I mean, and those things are really hard to let go. So as I've gone through abstinence, I had to take a good look at that very um, recently, and I noticed that I wasn't truly giving myself to higher power. I really wasn't. And when I saw what was happening to me, I could see how crazy my life was. I, and, and it goes hand in hand. When I control something or I want to be in that mode of living, then my life is not serene. It is not peaceful. I will try to con and manipulate whatever I can to get what I want. And it only goes hand in hand with the fact that I'm a food addict. So, sure, uh, I need something that works. And it tells me how it works. And when I follow this plan, this simple plan of action, then I'm in much better condition. But I want to play the, the God game. And those are the things that keep making me stumble over and over and over. And so over the last few months, I have gained a very, a very different and a very wonderful, closer relationship with the God of my understanding. 
And that has been the breakthrough. That has been the change. And lo and behold, life gets a lot better. I'm more at peace. I like what I see in the mirror. I like what I say about that person in the mirror and what she's doing day to day. I'm a woman of integrity. I'm a woman of honor. I'm a woman of God. And I love that. That's the kind of peace that I was looking for all my life. And I am just starting to find that, who that is and what that means. So this morning, I am entirely grateful that I get to be a part of this recovery. Thank you so much and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you, Danielle. Oh, all right. Next up, Vasa O. And then I'll take another handful of names. Vasa, please go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Katie, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recover, compulsible vita, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts, and how it works. I remember going to my first meeting and read, hearing this passage right here, and I remember feeling so excited because I had been struggling with the food addiction for so long, so many years trying to figure out how to put it down and failed over and over to the point when I came, there was nothing more left for me to try. And uh, this is what I heard. Really, have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path? And I remember saying, so very, very, very rarely they have seen person fail if they followed the path that it suggests us to follow here. And I was 100% powerless and honest with the food at that time, more than 100%, 150%, 200%. I was powerless over the food, and I could not manage my life any longer with it. And I had the willingness and the desperation at that time, and I'm just so grateful that I was where I was in my thinking. And it says here, there are those who, uh, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do not recover. They have the capacity to be honest. And somehow the mental, the mental disorder scared me so much. I said, oh, my God. I was so afraid. It was like a stigma. Maybe I need to be put in a mental institution. Well, I didn't have to be. But anyways, um, and then honesty became with the food, number one, admitting that I was powerless and I was ready, willing to surrender. You know, that comes a little bit later, but I was ready and willing to surrender at that time. I can't do this, God. My higher power, I will let you do it. It's a few pages over. But anyways, yes, it works if follow if we follow the directions they are laid out in this book. And I do follow the direction, and it has worked for me all these years, and this is my time. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Okay, I think we can take probably two or three names. Just a reminder, we're on page 58. Reading that first paragraph, rarely have we seen a person fail. If you haven't shared in the last two days, please give me your name. Christina J. Okay, there was someone underneath Christina J., the male name. 
or not? Anyone else? Jody This e. is your chance. Jody E. Okay. Anybody else? Monica T. Okay, Miss Monica. Okay, so um, three of you, if you guys could each uh, scale back to two minutes so we can get everybody in. We'll start with Christina. Go ahead, Christina. Hi there, Katie. Uh, if you could time me, I don't have my timer set, and uh, we'll try to do the best I can in two minutes. Christina J. from the state of Washington. So grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater here. Um, how it works, and I find it interesting that they're starting us out with rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. Now this is telling us right off, get ready to thoroughly follow this path. If you don't thoroughly follow it, you may not have success. And that was my journey. I started out with a, well, when I got into vision, I started out with heavy duty vision sponsor who I thought was heavy duty anyway. I wanted what she had and what all you had was the word recovered. <clears throat> and I jumped in and I thoroughly followed it. I <clears throat> Whenever, whatever she told me to do, I did. Even if I was drop-dead tired at night, I would get out my book, listen to the meeting, make my notes, report my food, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and I got that physical recovery and uh, started to get the spiritual recovery. But as soon as we got through the steps and I was out on my own, I did not continue to thoroughly follow the path. And I began to lose my abstinence, my spiritual abstinence. And what happens when you lose your spiritual abstinence? You can start to get irritable, restless, discontent. I wasn't working 10 and 11. I was working 12, but I wasn't taking care of myself. So, um, And I had a hard time being constitutionally honest. I had no idea I wasn't being constitutionally honest because I grew up wanting my things to go my way. I didn't know that, but I used the tools I got from my parents about how to get love out of life how to manipulate people to get love out of life, and I was doing it slowly. Okay, I was doing it unaware. <clears throat> so I was unfortunate for a long time. And until I worked this program the second round, I was incapable of grasping a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So get in there, work it, and you'll find what you need if you can work it thoroughly. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. Next up, Jody E. And... Then Monica T. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Jody E. Gratefully recovered in California. Uh, this uh, paragraph is especially meaningful to me because it's the first one I remember reading when my brother, a recovered alcoholic, gave me a copy of this book just prior to my coming to OA. I remember reading this chapter. It's the chapter that I turned to, and it gave me hope. And I could relate in to this description of the alcoholic that was to come in this chapter. It also gave me hope because I wondered if I was mentally unstable or ill also, and I thought I might end up committing suicide as had my mother. So this, I love this chapter, I love this paragraph. It's, it's a message of hope for me and I believe for many, many people. Just yesterday I got a call from an old high school friend who's mentally ill and she's come in and out of the rooms occasionally and seen me there and she called me because she's desperate. And I 
apparently struck her as somebody who just might be a ray of hope for her. And because of this book, I feel that I can be, and I feel that I understand her, and that I, if she's able and willing and capable of being honest, that she too can recover. Thank you all for being here and for being part of my recovery family. I couldn't do this without you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jody E. All right, we're going to wrap this meeting up with Monica T. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So the title of this chapter is How It Works. And I was told, just fine if I work it. All right, so the first sentence, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. You know, what hope? You know, rarely does anybody fail. And then they go on to say, but, you know, my keen alcoholic mind, well, I don't know, I failed at this and I failed at that, blah, blah, blah. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. So there was a little out for me. Well, you know, I don't really want to do this, so, meh, yeah, okay. But the, but the book goes on to say, the ones that don't get this, are usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable. Constitutionally can mean biologically. And they go on to say a little bit further on, they're naturally incapable. They're born that way. Now, if I be, you know, I was not born that way. I do have a conscious, but some people don't. And that's, I think this is what the big book is saying. Those that are born without a conscious don't have a chance. It's not saying that I'm mentally, um, you know, incapable because they do go on to say that even people with grave emotional and mental disorders can recover, do recover, because they do have the capability of being honest. And I have the capability of being honest. So then, okay, you can't use that as an excuse that maybe you're one of those constitutionally incapable. So when that word biologically was given to me as a, as a different meaning for constitutionally, it was like, okay, I can't use that excuse. So, um, and also how it works, the title. You know, this chapter here is going to enable me to find me and to find a power greater than me. And if I work it, that's what happens. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Monica. Thank you to everyone for your enthusiasm this morning. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. The share ID for today, which is Monday, September 30th, is 13,458. That's 13458. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Ginger C. Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something that you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.